Good day to you ladies and gentlemen and welcome to Film Focus episode 54, the double review for Deadpool 2 and Solo, a Star Wars story. Film Focus. I am your host, the Hypersonic 55, and I'm glad that you decided to join me once again for some film-related discussion. How you doing today? Good? Bad? Indifferent? I'm okay. Um, and I need to, you know, say this up front. I am very, very tired. I'm normally a fairly tired kind of guy, but I am very tired today because I ended up seeing the Solo A Star Wars story midnight screening with like you know two of my homies and uh that was fun but we got back well i got back after my mate dropped me home about just before three and since i have a terrible like you know sleeping habit kind of thing i didn't get to sleep until i think just before five so i am running on very low hours of sleep because my body doesn't like me to sleep properly so if i seem fairly you know unenthusiastic that's the reason why but yeah, you don't want to know about my sleeping patterns. You want to know about what's in this episode. And if you didn't read the title, then allow me to elaborate. This review is a double review for uh, Deadpool 2 and Solo A Star Wars Story. And Deadpool 2, I had planned to do a singular episode review for it, but I thought about it and I felt like there was just not enough for me to go about and cover for one whole episode. So I was just like, you know what, screw it. Let's just put... Devil 2 and Solo Star Wars Story together. So then, everyone wins. Um, so, yeah. I'm going to be doing a review for Devil 2 first and then Solo Star Wars Story afterwards. So, with all that out of the way, let's begin. Alright then, so before we get into the nitty gritty elements of the Deadpool 2 review, let me just go back and say some stuff up front. Deadpool, the first film. I thought it was good, but not nearly as fun as I expected. Now, Deadpool, when it first came out in 2016, the amount of hype that the marketing was able to build up for the film was incredible. However, the problem was that they showed the trailers so excessively that by the time the film had come out, any of the funny jokes that were in the trailers were ruined by the time I saw the film. So there were still a few moments here and there where the film was still pretty funny, but I felt like it was just another generic over-the-top American like R-rated film just with you know certain superhero elements incorporated and for some people back in 2016 that was their jam they said it was like you know one of their favorite films of the year it didn't crack my top 10 at all I thought it was good but just not great and I've only seen it the two times I saw it in the cinema so I haven't seen it since um, but with this new film coming out, I was like, you know what, there is potential here. You know, you have one of the directors from John Wick involved in this, so this sounds like fun. And obviously the cast is a lot bigger and they're introducing Cable just like they said they would, which is played by Josh Brolin and everyone likes that guy. So there was hope, but I'm not going to lie, the market did not too much for me. So I was just like, you know what, this film could be you know just more the same or could be worse and I was you know kind of dreading it in a way 
but then I saw the film last week and was very pleasantly surprised. I like this film, and I'm going to tell you why in this review, as I always do, via the story, characters, presentation, and then conclusion at the end. So without further ado, let's jump in. So in Deadpool 2, the story goes like this. We see Deadpool running around doing his mercenary thing, except on a more global scale. However, due to some crazy circumstances, he finds himself in an unlikely situation where he must protect a young mutant by the name of Russell from Cable, a bad guy from the future who has a grudge against a young kid. And that is the premise of the film without going into the area of spoilers. So I like the plot for this film. It felt consistent with what's come before, but felt bigger and more expansive than before, and progressed the story in a natural way. And it just felt like it was more fun as an overall film than the first film. You know, in the first Deadpool, it was a fairly simple yet effective, you know, plot. Deadpool was just trying to get his girlfriend back from the bad guy. And while that was, you know, fairly endearing for a lot of people, especially in that sort of rom-com kind of way, um, I didn't really care that much for the whole Vanessa Wade relationship. And don't get me wrong, it was a very strong relationship built on like, you know, was it a pretty good foundation so that obviously when Deadpool was going after her and he saves her and all that kind of stuff it you know had good payoff I just didn't care for it as a plot for you know a superhero film for me relationships is one of the least compelling element of any superhero film I'm watching with some exceptions to the rule so with this film I just enjoyed that things progressed from the last film and there were certainly elements of Wade and Vanessa's relationship that continued over in this film, but I felt like it was more effectively handled in this one. And there is a more dramatic and serious tone to it that I didn't expect with some heart in terms of themes relating to family, having a sense of belonging, doing what's right, and making tough choices. And I just feel like this film had a more layered story with more varied things going on, with Deadpool dealing with his own personal issues, but also learning about what happens with Cable and Russell and how their stories intertwine. It just felt like a more engaging and more fun kind of film. And in some cases, I found the humor to be better. Don't get me wrong, the first film definitely had its moments, but I feel like they were ruined by the marketing. But also, even though I saw a lot of trailers for this film, I just felt like the jokes were more effective. They came at just the right points to work. And that also relates to some of the cameos in this film, which are really good. So yeah, if you're a fan of like certain types of references, obviously because that's you know how Deadpool is, there are some really good references, some verbal, some visual, and the way in which they come, some of them are so unexpected, some of them are so brief, but when you see them, they are fabulous. So jokes, and I remember was it on my first viewing specifically, some of that stuff was bloody hilarious. And the uh, post-credit scenes, yes, there are a few of them. They're more in the mid-credits than anything else. But just, you know, when the credits come up, don't leave just straight away because there is just some really interesting and funny stuff going on, especially if you know the history of the Deadpool character and, you know, was it Ryan Reynolds and that kind of stuff. <laughs> some of that stuff is really good. Um, so is there anything about the plot that I didn't like? I would say primarily it came down to the humor. Um, I'm a very fickle person when it comes to, you know, comedies already, so sometimes, you know, certain jokes didn't work for me, but, you know, it wasn't nearly as bad as the first film for me. This film felt like an overall funnier film, and the only other thing I would say is that in the beginning, it felt a little slow in terms of the pacing, and 
that was mainly to do with Cable. When he's introduced, I was intrigued and, you know, was curious to see where he would go, but it did take a little while for his, you know, area of the plot to, you know, converge with Russell and Deadpool. So when they finally hooked up, the, you know, pace definitely kicked up. So I'd say, you know, just upon first viewing, that felt a little slow, but otherwise, yeah, it was good. I thought this plot was fun, interesting, and just uh, a damn good time. Alright, so let's move on to the cast, and there are quite a few people to mention in this film, but I'll try to be brief. So there is firstly, Ryan Reynolds as Wade Wilson aka Deadpool, and he does the business. The role was essentially made for him, and strangely enough, I thought it was good in the last film, but I feel like he's, his character was better utilised in this film. I've always been a fan of Deadpool when he wasn't the you know main focus that he had other people to bounce off of on a more consistent basis and this film just did that so well with the amount of characters that he interacts with from the X-Men to the people that he collects with the X-Force to you know Russell, Cable and all these other people the guy plays off of people so well and obviously because of the nature of his character with the you know breaking the fourth wall and references to you know real life stuff and you know comic book stuff is really good I just felt like his character overall was just way more fun and engaging than the previous film uh, Cable played by Josh Brolin was also quite good at first I wasn't sure where his character was going I mean Brolin definitely looked the part he was so muscular and intense and that just stern look in his face he was a man that was determined to get stuff done and once you learn about his character and you know understand why he's doing the things that he's doing he definitely becomes more relatable than I expected it's not stuff you haven't seen before in other films but I feel like it works primarily because Brolin just has such a commanding screen presence and when he's running around messing dudes up he's really good he's just really intense and badass in all the best kind of ways and I like how his character has a reason for doing things. He's not just, you know, running around for the sake of being a bad guy. He has a mission and he has a purpose. And you can understand where he's coming from. But my god, he messes up so many people's arms in that film. Oh! Just stay away from him if you ever run into someone like that, man. Ugh. Um, also, Marina Baccaron, is that how you say her name? I've never been, you know, very good at seeing her name, but yeah, the lady that plays Vanessa, she was also quite good. I liked her. I liked her in the first film, but I liked her use in this film as well, so, you know, good stuff. And then you have one of the most delightful people in the film, Julian Dennison as Russell, aka Firefist. I thought this guy would be good because I saw Hunt for the World of People and he was like, you know, just really charming and I was hoping to see him in other stuff, but this film i think is like you know his best on-screen stuff so far denison just has such a great sense of comedic timing his when he says things and his jokes come out it's just perfect timing it comes at just the right moments the way he says certain things is great and he says it with such fire and passion and when he's on screen his screen presence is just Friggin' phenomenal. I love the guy. He plays off of Ryan Reynolds so well. And they have such great back and forth. And just his interaction with any of the other characters in the film is really good. The guy is really, really funny. But I also like his character as well. He, he's, you know, um, he has a very interesting sort of backstory that goes on. And when you find out why he's doing what he's doing, you can understand why he is 
how he is. But yeah, Dennison in the role was just fabulous. Um, someone else who was also really good in the film was um, Zazie Beetz as Domino. Now, I remember before the film came out, I was very surprised about the way in which they decided to take a look. Now, you know, recreating Domino's look from the comics would, you know, kind of look, I guess, strange on the film, but I was mainly just surprised that they didn't put more effort into, you know, just giving her a bit more of the comic book counterpart kind of look, but um, I didn't know what to expect. I mean, Zazie Beats, I really liked her in Atlanta, so I expected her to be good, but not this good. Um, her character just had a nice, upbeat, cool, sassy quality to her, and um, she had great back and forth with Deadpool and some of the other characters in the film. She was just really fun, really interesting, and her, you know, mutant-based ability of luck just came in really good, like, you know, was it, uh, situations, so it led to some really fun, interesting kind of, uh, stuff when it came to some of the action sequences, or just how she was able to get from point A to point B, good stuff, really liked her. As for the other returning members of Deadpool 1, TJ Miller as Weasel was really good, I actually found him a lot funnier in this film, his use was smaller, but definitely effective, Leslie Uggams as Blind Owl, again, I thought she was fine in the first film, but I feel like she was better utilized in this one. She had some really funny scenes. And Karen Sonny as Dupinda, I love that guy. He was great. He just has this, uh, you know, great energy about him, so charismatic. And there's just some of these, like, you know, smaller moments where he has these conversations with Deadpool. And the stuff he comes out with is so bizarre. But it's said with just the right timing at right moments is great. So bloody good. And then obviously you have the return of Colossus and Negasonic Teenage Warhead, played by Stefan Kapikic and Brianna Hildebrand. And they were pretty good as well. I like the way those characters, you know, was they had progressed from the last film and had their, you know, same kind of banner with um, Deadpool from the first film. And I also really like the fact that, you know, was it Colossus just had more to do in this film, and this is like probably the best utilization of his character to film so far. And yeah, there's a whole lot of other people to mention in this film, like the lady that played Yuko, she was pretty cool, but the only other person I really wanted to mention was Eddie Marzen as uh, the headmaster. He was pretty good. Uh, Eddie Marzen is one of those sort of guys that I've noticed in film a lot since uh, I think his appearance in the first Sherlock Holmes film from 2009, you know, the Guy Ritchie one. Ever since then, I've seen that guy pop up left, right, and center are so many things, obviously, you know, British-wise, but otherwise, he's just all over the place, so I'm glad that this guy's getting work. He's good! Alright, so now let's talk about the presentation, and simply put, it was pretty good. Um, I liked the first Deadpool film, but again, because of the marketing, it ruined a lot of, like, you know, the action sequences, because that was all that there really was in there, but save for a few extra bits here and there. But this film clearly has a better budget for, you know, more action. So the action is more gritty, more violent. There's more dismemberment, blood, and all sorts of chaos going on. And it's really well done for the most part. Uh, I like the hand-to-hand uh, -hand combat, the brutality of some of the breaking, crushing, shooting, blood, and everything. That was really fun. And uh, I like the stuff, especially when it comes to Deadpool's, like, you know, mercenary abilities and the brutality of what goes on with uh, Cable. I also liked how Fire Fist abilities were in this film as well, and seeing more of Colossus was really fun, and some other characters. Yeah, the, the action sequences were good. The only issue I would say that I had with them was 
Considering that you had one of the people working on John Wick on this film, there was a severe lack of the sort of creative and long, you know, singular shots that they implement in their action sequences where you can see someone doing a lot of stuff in one take where it's just, you know, all sorts of chaos but is very kinetic. Don't get me wrong, these action sequences definitely had like, you know, is it a nice sense of, you know, movement to them, they flowed pretty well, but I felt like, you know, this felt like a missed opportunity to have some of those more creative and, you know, was it badass, you know, fight scenes that we saw implemented in, um, you know, the John Wick films and the stuff that they worked on when they came on to Captain America Civil War. And yeah, there's one other thing that I need to mention and it comes down to the, uh, you know, opening credit sequence for Deadpool 2. <laughs> oh gosh, it is really good. It has the use of music and some visual material that is very relatable to a other long-standing film franchise. I don't want to say what it is, but when you see it, I'm pretty sure you'll enjoy and appreciate it. And everybody in my screening the first time when I saw it, they loved it. It was so bizarre, but brilliant at the same time. Really funny. And uh, the use of music was pretty good as well, uh, in terms of not only the song selection, but also the uh, film score from uh, Tyler Bates. That definitely had more presence than the last film, and I just enjoyed it. Yeah, good stuff. So now I come to the conclusion. Deadpool 2, I liked it. A lot more than the first film. Mainly just because there was just a more interesting plot going on, and the stuff going on with Russell and Cable definitely enhanced the film. And it was interesting just to see how their plots, you know, converged and then created this unusual yet really funny adventure. And it had some heart in there where it was necessary. I really liked the action and the chaos and the references to, you know, was it the other X-Men films were good. And there was just a lot of really unexpected and funny stuff. And again, as someone who didn't think that this film was going to be all that good... I left the cinema very pleased with my, you know, was it experience. I'm not going to say it was like, you know, was it one of the best things I've ever seen in the history of my life, but I really quite liked it. Um, I understand that there was a lot of people that, you know, considered the first film, you know, this gold standard, you know, the best thing since sliced bread, but that's not me. I, I cannot jump in that, you know, category at all, but I definitely consider this one, like, you know, is it a superior film just because it did more for me. So, um, yeah, that's that. Alright, so now it's time to talk about Solo, A Star Wars Story. Now, I remember around the time that this film was announced, there was such a big backlash against it. Primarily because you were going to be giving us a young Han Solo film, which nobody asked for. And, um, you know, with Rogue One, you could see the uh, potential of, you know, focusing a story on the people that basically stole the plan for the Death Star and then gave it to the Rebel Alliance. But, you know, if, if film focusing on the young adventures of Han Solo, who, who really wants that? Um, I know that there's, you know, potential to be mined there, but Han Solo is one of the sort of characters that I don't think a lot of fans really wanted to know anything additional about him. He just seemed like a well-rounded character that didn't need to be explored. And it also felt a little annoying for fans who really wanted that Obi-Wan Kenobi film, which we're still waiting for, which, you know, Lucasfilm get on that stuff. You know, um, after... The prequel trilogy, everyone knows that the best part about that trilogy was Hugh McGregor's Obi-Wan Kenobi and there is so much hype surrounding that character to potentially return and have like, you know, an interesting in-between story between, you know, the prequel and original trilogy. And yet we got the Han Solo film first and it was just like, oh, good gravy. 
But back then, we were willing to, you know, give it a chance because you had the directors Phil Lord and Chris Miller on it who, you know, did the Lego movie and 21 and 22 Jump Street. All were really good films. Everyone was hyped about it. But then you heard all this behind the scenes rumors and drama surrounding like, you know, is it certain things about the production, about Alden Ehrenreich needing like, you know, is it an acting coach because he wasn't that good and how the film had a lot more comedy and was being improvised and was, you know, deviating from the original script and how the film essentially was like, what, close to being finished and then they got fired and got replaced by Ron Howard. Good gravy. Following the drama of this was chaos. And it also just fueled that whole uh, fire surrounding, like, you know, is it the fans online who said that, you know, is it Lucasfilm and Kathleen Kennedy just couldn't get their crap together because, you know, is it there was drama surrounding Rogue One and then Han Solo and you're just like, come on, man, can't we just have a clean production from point A to point B? But anyway, time went on. Ron Howard stepped in to retool the film. And eventually we started getting, you know, was it the promotional material? And it was mixed. I think, was it for the most part, everyone was just saying, Old and Aaron Reich is just no Han Solo. Um, they just wasn't used to the idea that there was going to be someone else taking on this role. But as the trailers came out, the first one's not so good, but the latter side of the trailers started really, you know, was it ch- turning certain people around? mainly because the look of the film was very unique and interesting there was a you know great variety in terms of like the cast and i think everybody was on board with uh, donald glover when he was announced as lando especially once you saw him in the uniform and saw just those brief clips of him in the trailers everyone was sold on that at least and um i went from someone being you know incredibly skeptical about you know as a uh, you know a Han Solo you know young years adventure to uh, okay this could be you know could have potential so I saw it earlier on and uh, I really liked it uh, Han Solo uh, I didn't know that I wanted a uh, you know backstory with him but it proved to be one of the more interesting Star Wars films released in recent years so without further ado let's jump in. So the plot of Solo Star Wars story can be described as the following. Through a series of daring escapades deep within a dark and dangerous criminal underworld, Han Solo meets up with his future co-pilot Chewbacca and encounters the notorious gambler Lando Carizian in an adventure that will set the course of one of Star Wars' most unlikely heroes. And that is the premise of the film without going into the era spoilers. I really enjoyed the plot of this film. As someone who wasn't overly interested in seeing what was going on in Han Solo's life before A New Hope, this film introduces a lot of interesting elements that, you know, has some interesting ties to the prequel trilogy and the original trilogy. The amount of references in this film was very unexpected, and there is one in here that was such a beautiful deep cut for me. I was just like, good gravy, they just did that. And I was very happy, very, very happy. But beyond just the wonderful ties of the rest of the Star Wars universe, I just like the story overall. Solo has a lot of interesting plot threads and themes relating to choice and free will, aspiring to be a greater individual, stuff going on with trust, sacrifice, and having a sense of belonging. And I also enjoyed how this film once again explored the moral grey area of Star Wars when it comes to the choices that characters make for themselves or for others or in the service of a greater cause. 
nothing is black and white and you get to see everyone's perspective so you can understand why they do what they do and this moral gray area of you know the Star Wars galaxy was mainly introduced for me in Rogue One where you got to see certain characters who were either supposed to be the heroes or you know the you know protagonists that you're meant to root for making you know was it questionable or unethical decisions just to try and get by and you realize that especially at this current point in the Star Wars series between episodes 3 and 4 that the Empire are you know was it a pretty noteworthy force and t technically they're bad but there are certain people that are you know was it on the side of the Empire who believe that they're the good guys and them some other characters end up making choices that they wouldn't normally make but because of the situations that they're in they end up having to you know was it compromise or you know just do things that they feel is right in order for them to advance so yeah I love seeing these more um, and morally ambiguous like you know is it adventures of some of these characters and that is done to wonderful effect in this film and I also find it interesting how these spin-off films have been far more compelling and interesting than the episodic ones and that's not to say that the force awakens and the last jedi are bad or lack good stories and you know uh, you know good themes and elements and stuff like that but i feel like rogue one and solo a star wars story have painted a more interesting inventive and just cooler world for you know the characters to explore even though we've been in this sort of area of time a few times over especially if you watch the star wars you know tv show rebels that recently ended and what I like about this film is that for the most part it works as a solo based adventure no pun intended but it also leaves the door open for some new adventures as well and if I had any grievances with the film I would say that some of the plot elements involving certain characters and the way in which certain things progress you'll probably guess a little ways off there's certain you know I wouldn't say generic but formulaic elements of this film that you know play out in the way in which you'd expect especially considering as this is a you know film that's meant to fill out the origins of a popular character so there's only so many ways that they could have gone with you know padding out his you know history but I feel like it was effectively done there's a wonderful balance between the familiar elements of Star Wars but taking things in new and interesting directions and that's one of the key things is finding that balance and I think this film did it pretty darn well so now it's time to talk about that cast and since there are a good few people to get through I will try to be as brief as possible so let's start off with the main man himself Alden Ehrenreich as Han Solo and against all the odds he's come out on top because he did a pretty good job in this role now when Ehrenreich was cast as Han Solo I like a lot of people online was skeptical about his casting just because he'd been in a few things here and there and some people that you know could vouch for him as an actor but I'd not seen any of his material and you know I was one of the sort of people that's just like oh he doesn't really look very Han Solo-ish but I was open to it just to see what would happen and um you know the early side of the marketing for his uh you know portrayal of the character just looked a bit you know yeah, I could have taken it either way but the latter side of the marketing with the last few trailers really started to sell me on the character a little bit more and in the film after about five to ten minutes I was okay with it this is a very different character from what we know in the future films but we see just those interesting sparks of those personality traits and 
actions and motivations that would become part of his character in A New Hope onwards. Seeing his interaction with some of these characters that he's just met, some of them that he's known beforehand, and some of these people that he would get to know that would become his lifelong friends in the original trilogy was just really fun and fascinating. We see his early thirst for adventure getting in trouble and all those sort of other nice Han Solo kind of elements and then we also get to see how he you know interacted with Chewie for the first time how he came across Lando for the first time how you know things came about with the Millennium Falcon and all of it's done in a very interesting and fun kind of way and it's just more captivating and intriguing than I could have ever expected and Aaron Reich he has a great sense of charisma charm timing when it comes to his humor and he just has those nice kind of mannerisms that you know just feed into the Han Solo character very well and then you have Amelia Clark and um saying her name I'm gonna butcher it but it's uh Quira at least I think that's how you say her name I thought she was pretty good I liked how her character had a very you know personal story with Han Solo how those guys sort of grew up together how their lives diverged and came back together again and she's a very interesting character as well she's smart perceptive strategic proactive and has a lot of really solid action moments as well I just like seeing how she interacted with Han Solo from like you know was it their early years to where the story takes place and some of the other connections that she has over the course of the movie Clark was just really good she has a wonderful poised gravitas kind of element to her character as well and I just thought she was good this is my favorite film that I've seen her in so far and then there is the man the legend the beauty that is Donald Glover as Lando Calrissian as soon as Glover was you know announced to play this character I'm like this is good now I'm in I think a lot of people on the internet said the same thing as well as soon as Donald Glover was announced as Lando everyone was in and from the marketing, the early marketing, I remember was it there was the what short Super Bowl trailer thing, and one shot of him in Lando gear, and everybody was like, "Yep, that's Lando wearing." And I think from the following trailers after that, everyone was just like, "He has this down." And those the marketing didn't lie. Glover was fabulous, fabulous. Now the interesting thing is. Lando in this film is very much similar to how we see him in Empire Strikes Back. However, there's just a few other things that are, you know, different. These are the early days, so he has a few things that he hasn't, like, you know, is it fully committed to in terms of his hair, his overall style, and some of these other sort of minor elements. But he's definitely a gambler. He knows how to fly certain ships. He has connections with a lot of people. The guy is suave, cool, calm and collected, but also kind of crafty and sneaky. He has, you know, personal connections to, you know, certain individuals and stuff like that. And I just enjoyed seeing this character, you know, brought back. He, there is a wonderful sense of charm, charisma, and he is just like a beautiful magnet, just drawing you in whenever he's on screen. And Donald Glover, he is just fabulous. Besides being a very proficient man in the world of music, 
I first came across him as an actor in Community and from there he has just gone on from strength to strength you know from stuff like The Martian to Atlanta to this and the guy is just multifaceted when it comes to his acting talent he is just engaging emotionally and just so much fun I loved I loved him he was great <laughs> no homo <laughs> but man he was great um and then there's Woody Harrelson as Tobias Beckett. I really enjoyed his character as well. I had a feeling that I would like him because, you know, obviously Woody Harrelson, whenever he's in, like, you know, it's solid material, he does well, and he did well in this film as well. Having this interesting connection to uh, Han Solo and his other teammates as well, creating this sort of team and showing Han Solo basically the life that he's a part of and how certain things would change if he ever did, you know, properly commit to this you know criminal lifestyle also Tandy Newton as Val was also pretty good I enjoy the sassy nature of this character and how proficient she was at her job I also quite liked Paul Bettany as Dryden Voss he was this interesting kind of guy who was very calm collected had a nice sense of humor to him but could switch at like you know at any moment and become very aggressive and you know quite scary and intense and uh, I like the look of the character and Paul Bettany I've never really seen him too many times in like a, I guess a villain based role or you know in an aggressive kind of role so this was pretty cool I like that and um, there's one other alien who I don't know the name of but he was actually voiced by John Favreau he was one of the uh, people on Beckett's team I actually quite liked him as well and there was just a few other characters that showed up here and there that was really cool um, Again, there's like one reference that when you see that person, you're just like, ooh. But yeah, I'm not going to say what that is. But yeah, when you see it, you'll know. Oh, and one other character I forgot to mention was L337, who is Lando's droid companion, who's played by Phoebe Waller-Bridge. She was great. She is this very straight-talking, no-nonsense, sassy droid who hangs around with Lando, who has very strong morals and ethics when it comes to the way in which droids are used and how they interact with humans, and she had some really great moments throughout the film. As for the presentation, it's pretty solid, as it is with any Star Wars film. What I liked about the visual presentation of Solo Star Wars Story is much like Rogue One, it paints a more unique picture of you know some of these areas of the galaxy that we haven't seen before in terms of different planets that allow for different color palettes but also just in terms of uh, you know certain exterior and interior locations and use of uh, color in some of those locations which is really cool um, because of where Han Solo grew up and is situated in certain places throughout the film it just allows for you know just very unique designs when it comes to uh, you know the aliens some of the other creatures whether it be practical or special effects or a mixture of both and some of these um, locations that feel pretty realistic in terms of like some of the designs when it comes to certain bridges buildings and a whole load of other stuff I just enjoyed seeing you know these different types of uh, locations that we haven't seen from the main series and how they vary in um, structure and you know some of this stuff looks really old some of it looks kind of clean and new and I also really liked the way in which uh, the film was shot 
since Rogue One, I found that there are more unique ways that the filmmakers are presenting the action to us, especially when it comes to um, this uh, chase sequence early on in the film with, like, I guess, like a, a land speeder involving Han Solo. That stuff was shot really well and had some unique angles that, again, I've never seen in a Star Wars film before. And the way in which a lot of the stuff is presented in this film has, you know, some familiar elements, but again, is done with some unique cinematography, and I like seeing just, you know, a different style of, you know, is it filmmaking presented in Star Wars, and the music, I really like the music in this film, like, the film score from John Powell was wonderful, I know there was a lot of people that wasn't overly keen on Michael Giacchino's score for Rogue One, and I can definitely understand that, that film had, I think, was it, some really strong theme elements in certain points in the film but just overall felt a little inconsistent with what's you know expected of Star Wars but John Powell's music in this film was fabulous it invoked that Star Wars kind of feel but also took a lot of chances and presented some new sounds as well that I never would have expected to hear in Star Wars especially the use of certain vocal tracks in there as well where the film score has like certain vocals in the background which really enhances and changes the sort of feel of certain scenes it's really good really good so in conclusion Solo a Star Wars story is a film that I like quite a lot far more than I expected to I mean I had low expectations but I still had hope but I didn't expect this film to captivate me in the way in which it did with this interesting story really fun and memorable characters its ties to the larger you know universe of Star Wars and just um, just a really cool and fun factor about it that just resonated with me and after the film was over like I said before I just wanted to see more of what's going on so I know that I think was it uh, Alden Ehrenreich had signed on for at least I think maybe two more films so if we do get a trilogy out of this I'd be curious to see at least another one just to see where they take this character. So yeah, I mean, I definitely recommend this film. Your enjoyment of this film will definitely depend on what kind of Star Wars fan you are, whether you're like super hardcore into this series or if you're a casual fan like myself and if you're open to change then you'll definitely find some fun in this. But I think, um, you know, if you're like, you know, embedded in Star Wars and you want it to be in a certain kind of way, then maybe this might not be for you. We'll see. Okay, and that's going to bring another episode of Film Focus to a close. And um, yeah, if you have thoughts on Deadpool 2 or Solo Star Wars Story, please be sure to drop them in the comment section below, whether you like the films or whether you dislike them. You know, whatever you have any feelings about, just drop them in the comment section below or holler at me online at Twitter where I am at hyperslone 55 or at filmfocus 55 or at the email address thehyperslone 555 at gmail.com and yeah we are operating primarily on soundcloud but we're also on itunes so if you are around please be sure to rate the uh, podcast give us some nice reviews please it would help increase the visibility by like you know is it ten thousand percent and it would you you know you'd just be doing me a really good favor so yeah, that's it for another episode of Film Focus. Thank you for listening, as always, and until the next time, this is the Hypersonic 55 signing out. Peace!